This podcast was presented by the Miami Rescue Mission Broward Outreach Centers, also known as The Caring Place. www.caringplace.org. Welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program with all the good news and more. Brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers, where caring for the needy, feeding the hungry, and changing lives happens every day. Now here are your hosts for Mission Possible, Ron and Marilyn Brummett. Good morning, South Florida, and welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers. We are known as the Caring Place and have been caring for the homeless and needy here in South Florida since 1922. That's 99 years of helping people transform their lives. Good morning again. I'm Ron Brummett. Uh, I happen to be the president here. And what a joy, what an honor it is to come on this program every Sunday and share with you some good news. Boy, we all need some good news all during the week. And especially during these last two years with COVID, we've heard nothing but bad news almost every single day. And yet through it all, through everything that's been happening, people are still coming to us for help and we're able to help them. We're able to bless them. We're able to help them with not just food and shelter, which is a necessity. Uh, able to help them with any problems they may have, mental illness, they're fleeing domestic violence, they have addiction, or maybe they're just newly homeless, they got evicted, something happened in their life, and yet we're able to do that because our community still cares for those that are struggling. You know, in all the world's religions, all the major religions, uh, the tenet, the foundation is to remember the poor, to take care of the hungry, to, to watch over the widow and the kids that are by themselves. And that's what we're trying to do every single day, collectively in our community. We are a Christian organization. We don't back down about that. Uh, we've been doing this for 100 years. I'd rather be honest with people and tell them, yes, we are followers of Jesus Christ. But you don't have to be of any denomination to be any particular faith or no faith to come and help us or to be a volunteer or to donate to us or even come through the doors to be helped. And that's what's what's really great here. You know, I believe and so do our staff that God has a plan for everyone, every man, woman and child. And unfortunately, we don't listen to that plan or we think we have our own plans. And many times for those that are coming to us for help, they got involved with drugs at a very young age or they got involved with the wrong people at a very young age. And it was fun for a while and they had party time and everything was good. But after a while, the drugs started taking more and more of their life or a woman that's in a bad relationship now is in bondage because they're fearful of even leaving their husband. And when those roads are traveled down, they take you down farther than you'd ever want to go and keep you there longer. Things you think you took for granted, getting up in the morning, you know, brushing your teeth and going out and get and working, uh, you're not doing that anymore. As a homeless man or a homeless woman, uh, you're looking for water, you're looking for food, you're looking for a place to, to wash yourself. And so uh, it becomes, life becomes very difficult and unbearable. At one point, you may want to say, you know, I, I want to get my life changed. Now, during the holidays, especially, um, many of the homeless people that we're ministering to that are in our centers and are surrounding our centers, uh, it's very depressing because now the memories of the past and maybe there's a lot of good memories of the past, but now you're not you're not doing too well. You know, you're not you're not with your family. Your family doesn't trust you any longer because you've stolen from them so many times. And so the holidays are even an added burden uh, to many people because they want to run away from those memories. And how do they run away? They use more drugs and more alcohol and more sex and whatever they're going to do. They're just going to uh, try to. 
uh, get away from the the real issue in their life is that they're lost, they're they're hopeless, and they don't see a future in their life. So what we do is we entice people uh, to come into our centers. We befriend people. And one of the biggest ways that we do that is by our meal program. You know, many times when people are coming to us for help, uh, they're not just there because they think we're the greatest program in the world. They're there because they know that we're going to have a meal for them. And during that time, uh, we will encourage them. Either our volunteers or our staff will go alongside of them. Uh, they get a shower, a change of clothes, some hygiene products. They're looking a little better than when they first came in the door. They got some food in their stomach. And now they're more apt to listen. You know, if you're hungry, you're tired, you're beat up, uh, you're dirty, you're not going to listen to anyone. You just want to just uh, get yourself cleaned up and get some good food. And then, then you're able to think a little straighter. And that's what we do. Hope often begins with the meal. I've said that for decades. You know, people come to us tired, beat up, broken. Uh, they get their showers, as I said, and now they're sitting down. And maybe not the first meal, but maybe it's the fourth to the tenth meal. And people will be encouraged. They get to know about us. Uh, we'll pray for them. We'll ask them where they are. Do they need anything? How can we help them? If we can't help them, maybe we can uh, give them a referral to someplace else. And we're always looking for people who are sick or who people that we feel that are not making it because we can alert officials or we can take them over to our clinic and see uh, what's going on with them. But hope often does begin with the meal. And you can help us in two very easy ways this holiday season. You know, we're fast approaching Thanksgiving and the end of the year holidays. The first way is to go to our website at caringplace.org slash pantry. That's caringplace.org slash pantry. You'll see that we have brown paper bags that you can order and fill them up with non-perishable items. It tells you all the details, tells you the drop-off areas. Uh, and we're looking for people to get those bags, uh, pass them around to your family and friends and co-workers, and then go to your favorite supermarket and look for the BOGOs. Look for the buy one, get one freeze. As you're getting a, uh, getting a can of beans for yourself, get a can for someone else. And now those bags, you can drop them off at our many sites. Or if you're ambitious and you put a box up and get some of our flyers for your place of work or where you're going to school or uh, a place where a place of worship where there's many people, you can put the box up with the flyers on there and we will be glad to come up and pick that box up. And we'll use those items all during the fall into the winter months. And some ask you, so what are you going to do with all those cans? Most of those cans are small cans. Well, we have volunteers that are finally being able to come back in mass. Uh, they're in our kitchens and they help prep the food. They help serve the food. They help clean up afterwards. And so with many hands, uh, our food costs uh, are down because we have people going out and getting doing food drives and we have volunteers coming in and preparing the food. And that's why we say uh, you can you can offer a really very good meal for two dollars and ten cents. And that's the second way you can help us is by helping us financially. So go to caringplace.org slash Thanksgiving uh, caringplace.org slash Thanksgiving uh, for two dollars and ten cents. You can you can provide a really great meal. And I know that people out there can do a 10 meals, a 50 meals. Maybe there's somebody out there who can do 1,000 meals today uh, and help us out uh, through the fall months and through the winter months. And again, this is a, an area that we really concentrate on. Not only do we feed those that are inside of our, our programs, inside of our buildings, but in Miami, every day we do an outdoor feeding of the homeless and the people that maybe they're not homeless, maybe they're struggling and they're just food insecure and they need that extra meal. Uh, sometimes it's as high as 300 people. So what you're doing through the food drive, the pack the pantry food drive, and as well as the um, 
donation, the financial giving really helps us. And, you know, this whole year for everyone's been very tough. Uh, some agencies have done very well. We have been very fortunate. We've been able to keep our doors open for the last 24 months. We kept all of our staff. Uh, we've had the challenges as so many other businesses and nonprofits have had as far as dealing with COVID. Uh, we've, we've lost some members uh, of our staff. We've lost members of our residents. And personally, on a personal note, I lost my brother last month. Uh, he was 65 years old. Uh, he was had got sick. He went on a re- um, respirator and then passed away. So it makes it really real. Perhaps you know someone that's lost their life through COVID or a loved one or a friend. And it makes it real, very, very real. You hear about it. You deal about it. You see it. And then it, it boils down to reality. So uh, my heart's been super softened by everyone that's gone through this terrible virus. There's been any sickness involved, any hospitalization. And it really brings to the forefront um, how important it is to stay safe and to make sure that you're taking all the precautions. And we do that in our centers. Uh, during the COVID, uh, the, the height of the COVID, and especially last year and then just a couple months ago, uh, we've had to really separate people in our dorms. Uh, we've had to really lessen the number of people in our buildings because we wanted them to feel safer. We've had to decrease the number of volunteers that came on site because we wanted them to feel safe and we wanted to be feel safe. But we're starting to not ease up on it. We're just starting to return back to some kind of normalcy. And uh, you can find out more about volunteering by going to caringplace.org slash volunteer. That's caringplace.org slash volunteer. Well, this has got a good news program. You're going to hear good news today. You're going to hear a wonderful testimony a little later in the program. And I'll be back with you uh, to share more. Well, God bless you. Stay tuned right here on News Radio 610 WIOD for more Mission Possible. Welcome back, and today we have a very, very special guest. Her name is Robin Hankerson Printemp. She's with Public. She's a community relations person, and, and just welcome to our program, Robin. Well, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Well, today we're going to talk about all the things, the great things that Publix is doing and has done for our community, and just tell us a little bit about what Publix is doing, especially during the fall season. Well, I have to tell you, Publix has always been dedicated to giving back to the community, starting with our founder, Mr. George Jenkins. In 1930, he built in the whole fabric of what Publix does is giving back to the community. And so I have the privilege and our associates have the privilege of living that out every day. And so when we think about Publix in the community, you know, we're always thinking about different ways that we can make an impact. And the four areas that we really focus on are education, youth, hunger and homelessness. And so we see those four areas as key areas to where if they are all kind of met, a family or a person can really start making a different set of progression in life. And so when we think about the hunger piece, because as a food retailer, that's one of the most important and valuable things that we can do. We, we sell groceries. We should be able to give groceries and give people that option to have food. And so when we think about hunger, we think about it from a lot of different perspectives. You know, I think the pandemic really showed us what hunger could look like and that it could have several different faces and that food insecurity could affect anyone at any time. You may lose a job and that could change your situation. Um, it may be, you know, um, any life changing experience that may result in you now in a need for food. And so we really took a real deep dive on that and started working with um, organizations that were feeding those in the community. And we started by, when the shutdown happened, you know, a lot of our farmers, just start there, they didn't have anyone to sell their produce to, right? So public stepped in, we started buying that produce and milk at the time from those farmers. 
schools were closed, restaurants were closed, they couldn't donate it. So we started buying it from the farmers and donating it to Feeding America Partners. And here in this market, obviously, Feeding South Florida was a great beneficiary of that. And then we saw that start to to really ramp up and said, okay, well, there's more we can do. And so you fast forward a year and a half later, we've donated over 33 million pounds of produce to different partners in this community to help feed them. We took it another step further and we looked at our programs. We normally would do our register campaigns or we would ask our customers to give. And so we decided to revamp that a little bit and we said, you know, how can we be a part of this giving as well? And so we retitled our program Feeding More Together. And as part of that Feeding More Together program, you know, we just finished that off last week and and at the beginning of November and our customers are able to donate at the registers. Well, Publix matches their donation. So these organizations in the community are getting the ability with those funds from their customers to go out and buy shelf stable items. So, you know, non-perishable goods and then Publix is matching those donations with produce. So it's a full meal for the families that are being um, recipients of those different types of um services. Well, what's amazing is with COVID coming last year and businesses just being thrown off their, their game, and here we have uh, Publix, it's really known for its giving and it's for compassion and generosity uh, through through my lifetime and so many others. We've been the recipients of their blessings for so many years. And before, it used to be, we used to all meet together, all the different organizations, and have a nice luncheon and, and have an introduction. But that all changed during COVID. And it had been very simple for Publix to simply say, you know, uh, we're having a rough time ourselves. You know, sales are good, but we're having a hard time with our staffing. So we're just going to do away with that or cut it back this year. But in fact, they ramped it up and took it to another level. Absolutely. And over the years, you know, organizations like Miami Rescue Mission have been great partners for us. You all have done a phenomenal job, whether it was us supporting your meals programs or us supporting the women's and children's shelters. All of those programs are what, you know, what I kind of talked about in the beginning when you talk about education, youth, hunger, homelessness, right? When you put those four pieces together, those are some of the ideals that you all have. And we were able to be a partner with. And no, we didn't stop and we won't stop because we know that there's always work to be done in this community well you know especially during the fall months when you get into thanksgiving and christmas and and hanukkah and kwanzaa all the different holidays uh food becomes such an important thing because that's what really draws people together and right here i want you to know robin to be a recipient for the funding and for the groceries that we receive from Publix, i have said this for 30 years that hope often begins with a meal. Now you're talking about just general you know, food insecurity and there's millions of people unnecessarily having to live with that, but when you're homeless and you have no place to hang your hat or no place to quarantine or no place to get away from things, but you're hungry, uh, we will use that food as a meal, as a hook to get people to come in and say, you know something, isn't this meal delicious? And uh, you can get more, you can get your life changed around. So we are really, really grateful uh, for Publix and for its many years of helping us. And by the way, I'm a customer, I'm, I'm, I'm shopping at Publix, how can I help? Well, how can you help? Things that you can do, um, you'll so start to see, especially um, you know, in, throughout the holiday season, opportunities where you can donate. We always have organizations set up at our stores. A lot of times, they'll be collecting, you know, non-perishable items. So, you know, buy that bogo thing, or and you know, drop it and give it to that extra, you know, to that organization because they're out there doing things to help. Um, you can always also listen out for our register campaign. So, we support, you know, hunger is is one that you know, just right around the holiday seasons 
obviously we support, but we do things in the in the excuse me in the realm of education. So when you think about our Tools for Schools program that kicks off in the summer in preparation for students going back to school, there's opportunities for you as a customer to give. Um, when we think about some of those other organizations like the March of Dimes and Special Olympics that have been corporate partners for Publix for a very long time, um, dating back to our founder, um, there's always opportunities for you to give with those different organizations as well. So as a customer, we just always ask that, you know, whenever you see that opportunity and, and, and the irony is that they do, our customers do give and we're, we're very grateful for that. I can tell you when we looked at um, the differences in just some of the contributions we received from our registered campaigns from 2020, um, going back to 2019 and 2021, I think there was this great appreciation people had in 2021, right? If you made it, you know, thankfully through this year um, or past year and a half, I think people were just a lot more charitable and giving. So we had a lot of customers asking us, what else can we do? And it was just incredible to see a customer saying, hey, you know, we were pulling back as a company. We didn't want to ask our customers to push too much with registered campaigns because, you know, we know that we don't know where that person may be. We don't know if you lost your job. We don't know what that might be. But we saw customers stepping up and saying, hey, we really want to give. What else can we do? So I just think that there's a great appreciation for our customers and doing what you do um, because that makes Publix just, you know, the company that we're able to be. And what I love is that not only do, do the the goods and the finances go locally, you know, to local organizations, but you also have a great volunteer uh your employees are willing to come out and volunteer as well. So I have to tell you, our volunteerism is just one of the things that makes our associates the most happy. And the past year and a half, um, where our associates have really been in the stores, that was that was their labor of love. They wanted to be there to make sure that the the needs that you know our customers have were met. But the one thing they were missing was being out in the community and being able to volunteer because we do that every year nonstop. We have two signature um, times of the year that we do volunteer through Public Serves Day. And on those days, our associates company-wide go out and visit sites all over you know, our company footprint and they give. So you know, we've done projects here with Miami Rescue Mission. <laughs> we've done projects here with Miami Rescue Mission and we just identify different organizations in the community so whether it's doing a beach cleanup, whether it's, you know, visiting an organization and, and renovating a space, a room, painting, gardening, landscaping, um, reading to kids, whatever that may look like, our associates love to do it. And, I, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to us being able to get back into doing that a lot more, um, you know, in the coming year, because that definitely makes a difference in, in, you know, how we take pride in what we do as associates with publics. And it's just fun to be in the community. It's good to feel good and do good things and help you know others well you know we had not last year but the year before i think well maybe it was even the year before we had like 40 uh, volunteers come out and they did some landscaping and painting they started early in the morning they had to some calisthenics and then they went about their job you know and when i talked to a few of them to thank them you know the the, the volunteers i said you know we got much uh, m- much more out of this than than we gave today and i think that is the whole uh, culture of Publix, you know, w- wanting to be good customer service, good employee uh, recognition and taking care of your staff, but also working in the community. And as we approach the end of the year, uh, we need to be on the lookout at Publix then, don't we? Yes, yes. And I have to tell you, you know, one thing our, our founder said, someone asked him, you know, where he thought he would be or what he thought he would be had he not given away so much, so much money over the years. And he said, I'd probably be nothing. Ah. 
And so that tells you that, you know, just being charitable and philanthropic and giving of his time, his talent and his treasures is just something that's embedded in our associates. We, we, we breathe that today, you know, through our customer service, through our outreach in the community, through our charitable contributions, whatever it may be. We really breathe um, and, you know, and live that that experience. Well, Robin, it's been such a pleasure having you. And you got to come back again and tell us about the summer program, the Tools for Education. And, you know, for years and years and years, your tagline has been been Publix where shopping is a pleasure and I like to say for this fall season and for the many years of generosity Publix where giving is a pleasure thank you for coming I love it my pleasure Leon Navarro here the senior community development associate for the Miami Rescue Mission and the Broward Reach Centers I have on the phone with us today Richard Schutz director for 211 Richard welcome thank you for joining us pleasure to be here with you today I'm excited. I love 211. Everybody knows the secret is out. I love, love 211. I love all the resources. I love that you guys are always so available. But for those of our listeners who still don't know about 211, Richard is here. Richard, tell us about 211, please. Yes. So 211 is a three digit number that you can call uh, anywhere within the community. Uh, to be connected with various social services. Uh, so if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know where to start to find help, for example, whether it's food, shelter, uh, child care, um, things for the holidays um, to help out your family, you can dial 211, where you are here 24-7 in any language that you can think of. Uh, and we're here to provide that support. And in addition to connecting the resources, we also provide uh, free over-the-phone crisis counseling as well. Absolutely. And available? Uh, when are you available? When can I call 211? 24-7, anytime you want to call. <laughs> right now after after this this, uh, uh, this show that you're hearing, you want to call at midnight, you want to call after your lunch break, whenever it is that you're ready, we are there uh, ready as well. Anytime, 365 days a year. I know I've called you guys. I've, uh, I've called you for resources pretty much for the residents in our centers. I haven't really uh, had a need to use it for myself. But I know how helpful, how friendly the operators are amazing. Uh, when I called and I wanted to know information about a person who was having a baby and didn't know, you know, where to go, where to get help. Oh, my God. The operator told me, Richard, I'm not kidding you. She said, do you have a pen and paper? Because let me tell you, she was getting me ready for the many resources that she gave me. And I'm like, oh, my God, she was not kidding. Friendly, mm -hmm. amazing service now with the holidays coming up. Right. Tell us what are some of the calls that you guys get into one one. Yeah, so we get a variety of calls. Uh, whether it's people looking for food and, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, uh, food for the holidays in general, uh, people looking for toys uh, for their kids, um, or even if they just want to talk to someone, uh, we're, we're always there to be able to um, try to address these different types of needs during the holidays. Um, so we, we see a variety of different types of calls. Absolutely. And and again, um, I know we've talked about, um, I want everyone to remember 211, that's as, as, as easy as just dialing 211. There is no area code, there is no other numbers, it's just 211, right? Uh, we right. like to make a reference to 911 because everybody knows 911 for emergencies and accidents, you name it. Uh, but 211 is as easy as dialing that 911. So now, 
when it comes to the holidays, and I know food, toys, this, that, whatever, but we were talking at the other interview that we did together. Um, the holiday season can also be a time of sadness for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not everything is happy and not everything is, is joyful, right? For some individuals, for whatever the reason. Tell me, Richard, can they call to one one? Yes, uh, they can call two one. Anyone can call two one one. The holidays, you know, we would hope that it is a joyous occasion for uh, for most of our community. But we understand that it can be a very uh, dark time for a lot of people for various reasons. Whether they've lost loved ones, they can't be with loved ones, um, different things. And we are here for them, and we do understand that. You know, people need support. People need that human connection. And uh, we are available, confidential, judgment-free. You can remain anonymous. Uh, we we definitely just want to be able to be that listening ear and uh, be there in that moment of need. And once again, provide guidance, right? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter where you are. If you need guidance, if you need the resources, if you need help, please, please reach out to 211. They're in social media. I follow you guys on Instagram under just very simple 211. I see the events coming up. I, th- I see the things that you guys advertise. And I always know that I can count on you to provide me with resources. Thank you, Richard, for joining us today for the great work you do in our community. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, once again, we come to that part of the program where we get to talk to people who are actually going through life change. And I have with me in the studio, Heber. And first of all, I just want to say, Heber, thank you for coming and wanting to share your story. Thank you, Ms. Brumman. Thank you for, you know, allowing me to come over here and, and share my, my, my story. I'm sure that, uh, you know, my experience will help others as well. Well, let's go back in time and let's get a little bit of your backstory. Sure. Uh, tell us a little bit either about your childhood as you're growing up and young um, adulthood. Tell us a little bit about that. Perfect. So, uh, you know, I was born in Guatemala. I was brought to Miami at the age of five with, with my parents. Uh, I grew up in a lo- I grew up in a in, I grew up in a loving family. Uh, my my family has been a uh, part of a Christian church for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So my family was very supportive as well. Um, you know, I went to school, graduated high school, did, did some college as well. But in the midst of that, I made a uh, bunch of bad decisions, one of which was, you know, to hang out with with uh, negative influences. And, uh, you know, I was still going to church. Uh, I grew in the church. I became vice president of a youth group at one point. But, you know, the the negative influence has, you know, pay, played a major role. And I uh, you know, one thing led to the other. And before I knew it, I was, I had, you know, quit school and I was, uh, heavily addicted to Oxycontins. Mm. Now, how, how did that get started? Was that where, where they just bring all the pills together and they start? Well, good question. Thank <laughs> you. So basically, you know, I, I fell in love with the party scene, you know, the whole club environment started doing that, a lot of that. Um, and then unfortunately my gateway drug was ecstasy. Mm-hmm. which is a pill and then you know I, I fell in love with pills and i came across uh, oxycontins which is an opiate uh, mm-hmm. and back then there was sort of an epidemic with oxycontins i mm-hmm. kind of fell into that as well you know yeah. that played a major role in my life and and then it was the peer pressure right people, yeah people you were partying with well you know what i grew up in a church i i didn't know much about that environment so it, it just took me by surprise i I immediately fell in love with it, you know, the whole party scene, you know, 
um, waking up, not having any responsibilities, but to continue to just, you know. Yeah. Now, go. was there a time where you had a job? Yes, I did work. I did work. Uh, I've had several jobs. I've always been blessed with the opportunity to, you know, to find to find work. So uh, were you a functioning addict at one time? Yes, I was. I, I was a functioning act, functioning addict at one time. Uh, although I did spend most of my lunch breaks at pharmacies trying to get these pills. See, what happened is um, in hopes of, you know, me overcoming my substance abuse, I moved to Guatemala about five years ago, hoping that the change in setting would help me. Unfortunately, in Guatemala, uh, these pills are sold over the counter. You don't even need a prescription. So, mm. yeah, I did spend most of my lunch breaks at uh, far these pharmacies buying these pills. So now, did you find yourself ever out on the street or? No, no. I've always had a very supportive and loving family. They they uh, never let me, uh, allowed me to get to that point. But uh, I, I was work, working towards that, you know. So I, who directed you to the Miami Rescue Mission? Awesome question. My family, uh, they met someone at their church who knows uh, my caseworker personally. Uh, Alex Chaviano. Mm. And, uh, you know, I cried out for help when I was living in Guatemala. I, I, I knew I needed help. And they, you know, they referred me to the Miami Rescue Mission. In fact, Alex Chaviano has been providing me with counseling since I was still in living Guatemala before I came back. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Guatemala and then I came back. And Alex is one of our graduates and uh, he also went through the mission. He's gone to school and he's one of our really star case managers that uh, he makes you toe the line, though, doesn't he? Yes, I, I love Alex Chaviano. I, I really do. He's always finding ways to, you know, help me grow spiritually. He's always finding ways to help me, um, you know, continue to grow spiritually. And I feel like with Chaviano, is everything's a test, which which I, I appreciate because it's uh, it helps me grow. Well, we're gonna come back in just a moment. We want to get a little bit more from you. What is it? What is it like to live at the mission as you're going through the program and and set your goals and going through the education and all that process? Um, how do you stay on track? So don't turn that dial. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk more to Heber in just a moment. Well, once again, we're with Heber and he is telling his story and, you know, all the stories here, they're, they're different. Um, I always say people ask me sometimes uh, what causes homelessness or what causes people to come to the Miami Rescue Mission. And I say, well, look at that tree full of leaves. And I said, for every leaf is a different story. Uh, so Heber, for you, um, it was not actually homelessness out on the street and, and yet, you knew you needed help, and but you had good family. I was trying to direct you in the right way, but after a while, they get a little bit sick and tired and saying, I don't know what else to do for you. So um, you did come to the Miami Rescue Mission. You knew somebody at your church and Alex Shaviano, which is now your case manager. Uh, you're under that direction. To talk about the life while you're going through the program What's really happening to you while you're here? Sure. So I've been I've been a client of the regeneration program here at the Miami Rescue Mission since April of last year. Um, I really, you know, being in the mission has been the most valuable experience that I've had in my life. I've learned so much. Um, one of the things that I've learned is structure. That's uh, probably the, one of the most impo 
important tools that I have to maintain my sobriety is the structure that I've been given at the Miami Rescue Mission. And, um, you know, at the Miami Rescue Mission, I am, I am, I work as a tutor, which is my Christian service assignment. And the education center, you know, has done so much for me, has rebuilt my confidence, uh, has helped me, you know, it helped me to set goals, has improved my decision making. Uh, I feel a lot smarter now, you know, but um, yeah, I, I feel like I can actually, you know, continue with, with the rest of my life and be a productive member of society. Um, you know, it has helped me identify what I what I could do in, in, with my with the rest of my future, which is uh, go into the field of education. Mm, that's wonderful. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. So once I graduate the program, right currently I'm in uh, Alpha, which is the discipleship uh, stage of the program where it's we the learn upperclassmen. Like you have 17 weeks of intense study. That's right, and uh, we learn tools such as um, to maintain our sobriety. Of course, one of the most important tools also that I've learned in Alpha is. Uh, the value of su a support group and support system because, you know, with these support groups, you can uh, seek advice, godly advice, uh, you know, and helps you stay connected as well. So I, I, I thank, I thank accountability, God. accountability, which is very important as well. Um, so, uh, once I graduate alpha, I plan on going back to school to Lindsay Hopkins. I plan on getting certified in early childhood education. Hopefully find a, a employment in, uh, at a daycare nursery and, and build from that and uh, in the future become a physical education teacher. Wow, those are wonderful, wonderful goals. Thank you. And I can see that God is really transforming you. And even though you had that foundation, you had that um, early in life, but it shows that you can still get off track. Yes. You, know, you can still go the wrong way. And yes. How do you come back to that solid foundation? Yeah. I, you know what? Jesus Christ is the only reason why I've been able to, you know, start my life over. I, I don't, it's definitely wouldn't, it wouldn't have been able, it's definitely not possible without the help of Jesus Christ and, uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is always guiding me and helping me make the right decisions. Well, that's amazing. And I just pray that as people are listening to, these various stories, as we put them on these uh, programs, that someone is encouraged. And either it's that very person who's going through some very struggles themselves, or they know someone or a family member that they just don't know what else, what else can I do? You know, I've done everything I can, and I just, you know, I'm even sick and tired of trying to help. So we know that God always has a plan. Right. And uh, but there is that surrender process. Mm -hmm. And uh, you came in to the program. It sounds like in the surrender process, you yeah. didn't have to to uh, to educate you to do that. You mm -hmm. already were there. Well, I want to thank you, Heber. Thank you very much for sharing your story. And we're going to continue to pray for you. Thank you, Ms. Brogan. Thank you very much. We're serving thousands and thousands of people during the course of a year. And yet it all boils down to having a changed life. What a wonderful testimony. You know, we can't do all the things that we do for those in the greatest of need in our community without you. And I say that over and over and over, but I really mean it. Uh, we have a tremendous dedicated staff. Uh, they're very compassionate. They know how to deal with many issues. They know how to keep the place clean and, and know how to deal with all the needs, but it takes more than that. It, I'm so grateful for our volunteers. Even through, through COVID, we had some volunteers coming in 
Uh, right now, we're, re- we're reassigning volunteers to make sure that they feel safe and comfortable and protected, and yet they can do something very worthwhile for us. And so more and more volunteers are coming into our centers. We're getting the vaccination going on. So uh, we're very, very optimistic about the future. You know, just a few years ago, we had up to 9,000 volunteers, and last year it was down to 2,000. So that means our services suffer when we don't have the help that we need. People that come in to volunteer, by the way, just don't serve food. Uh, They do really big projects, and they will paint. uh, They will do landscaping, big and great things, and that's why we're so grateful for them. If you'd like to volunteer, by the way, go to caringplace.org slash volunteer. And one way you can volunteer without even coming down to one of our centers is to help us with our Pack the Pantry food drive. annual food drive we do this every single year you go to our website at caringplace.org slash pantry that's caringplace.org slash pantry and you'll see the brown paper bag the old-fashioned brown paper bag you can get them delivered to you and it will have the instructions of what we're looking for non-perishable items and we're asking you to take those bags pass them out to your friends your co-workers and go to your local supermarket, the one you like, and look for the BOGOs. You know, buy one, get one free. If you get a, a box of spaghetti, you get a box of spaghetti for someone who's homeless and, and so on. Now, if you get very ambitious and you're in a place of your work or a place of worship or a school, uh, you can get some of our flyers and tape them to some great big boxes. We don't provide the boxes. And people can fill those boxes up. And then we will be happy to come out in person and pick those big boxes filled with good canned goods and non-perishables and take them back to our centers again go to caringplace.org slash pantry and and probably the easiest way for people to help us uh, during the holiday seasons in this fall season by the way we're going to serve over 250,000 meals and I haven't even talked about Christmas and all the toys we're going to give away but uh, you can help us by uh, packing the pantry and then also by helping us financially go to caringplace.org slash thanksgiving that's caringplace.org dot org slash thanksgiving for two dollars and ten cents you can provide a great meal that will open up someone's heart open the door for maybe that person to say you know these people are so kind they fed me all this all these many days uh, they've always come over and talked to me the people have prayed for me you know i think i can change my life i want to come into the program and that's how it happens many 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 times now for our women that are fleeing domestic violence that's not the case but we still want to treat them well uh, oftentimes they they'll come to our center they have two kids and maybe they even have one that that's uh that's they're still pregnant with and that makes the situation even uh, more difficult to deal with but your help by providing the food drive or by helping us financially helps us help people change their lives and then the the other thing that we are in need of during the holiday season is our toy drive uh, we're going to give away probably 7,000 toys this year we're getting our list together like Santa would for all the families that need help we go through them meticulously we get age-appropriate toys to be given to that family and last year we had a drive-through for it so they came through we had all the names we had the toys we had the kids names we gave them all the uh, toys and the people that didn't have a car walked up to our centers and was able to get that so go to our website at caringplace.org slash toys to find out how you can get in our toy drive so many ways that you can help those in the greatest of need and and god bless you for doing that and again thank you so much for listening today tune in next sunday right here on news radio 610 wiod for more mission possible this podcast was presented by the miami rescue mission broward outreach centers also known as the caring place www.caringplace.org